And in some way, we often see that you got to do both of these things. And some of these things are because of the way software is bought and sold. And some of these things are because of the way some government mandated regulations are done. But yeah, it's pretty fascinating that a standard should emerge out of just the way people want to build trust in the way they do business. Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. And today I have with me Arish Redeker. He and I are going to visit about some SOC 2 and ISO 2701 issues and additions to a wider remit of compliance. So, Goresh, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thanks, Tom, for having me. I'm really excited. Could you tell us a little bit about your professional background and what's your current role? So, I'm Grish. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Sprinto. At Sprinto, we are a software company that helps other software companies achieve obtain compliances like SOC 2, ISO, and 15 others in an automated fashion. More importantly, I'm a software engineer first who likes to build and happiest when I'm writing code and building product, though I don't get to do that as much as I'd like these days. Before Sprinto, I ran another B2B software company called Recruiterbox. Across both startups, I wrote bulk of the early code before moving on to other duties You know, as the business grew, which included managing teams, running product, marketing. You could say I know a thing or two about running a software business. That, that's roughly my background. What led you to co-found Sprinto? Well, that's an interesting story. This kind of got seeded when I was running my previous startup. And as a company, we were trying to move up market. And as we encountered larger and larger companies in our customer pipeline, we invariably got stuck at a point where we had to go through security reviews. You know, when they'd ask us for these compliances, like SOC 2 and, you know, security questionnaires and, and those kind of things. And I think, you know, we kicked the can down the road as much as we could before attaining these compliances because they looked really overwhelming and they didn't look like something that a small company would want to do. And it looked extremely painful. There was a point where we actually picked the bullet and said that, hey, we need to get this done. And we took up that project. And I remember it ended up cannibalizing a bunch of other projects that we wanted to do as a company. It took a ton of time, took a ton of effort, costed a lot of money. And I don't think it was a very pleasant experience for me as someone who is doing this. And I think in some way or the other, Sprinter was born out of that pain. I was kind of trying to solve a problem for my past self. And the assumption was that, you know, this is a problem that other companies would face as well. So that's what we set out to solve. So I love it because what I heard you say was we had a problem. We saw a problem. We had to deal with that problem. And out of our correcting or fixing the problem, but actually just going through the exercise, you were able to develop a successful business model helping other companies get through the same journey. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, you got that right. I couldn't ever said that better myself. All right. So how do you help other compliance firms really go through this process? And I should say I've visited with several people who are in the SOC 2 and ISO 27001 world, and they really emphasize the nature of the process that it can be overwhelming if you look at it all at once. But if you break it down and go through the process, it can be achieved. And if you do the entire process and you get the certification, that's obviously a business positive. But equally important, everyone I've talked to has gone through it and said they've gotten more out of it than simply the certification. They've learned about themselves. They've learned about weaknesses or strengths in their organization. So I was wondering if you might talk about that 
process and how you help guide a client through that. That's actually a great point that you bring up. You know, the process of actually going through these things really helps you holistically view your organization and think a little bit about what it really takes to secure the data that you as a company are handling on your customer's behalf. And it's really great that frameworks like SOC2 and ISO have sort of sat down and holistically thought about the various aspects of security. Security seems like an extremely overwhelming mountain to climb if you had to do it by yourself, but they have sort of broken it down that, hey, these are the things that you need to do about your staff. These are things that you need to do about how you onboard staff. This is how you sort of train your employees to think about security. This is what you do about how you grant access or remove access or change access for people. This is how you do change management and so on and so forth. So I think as a framework and as a process, this is like an extremely good starting point to build your security program. What usually ends up happening in practice, however, is as you go about doing these things, sometimes these things can become excruciatingly long. It takes a lot of time. There's a lot of ton of documentation. There is, you know, this ton of paperwork and jargon and everything that you need to wait through as a company. Now, what we do is we focus on companies that are software companies, and we typically focus on companies that are cloud-native software companies. And we sort of translate what a SOC tour and ISO program would mean in the context of these companies into specific things that you, in specific practices, security practices that you need to run in your company. Not only do we do that, we actually help you automate some of these practices. The beauty of a software and ISO program is this is not something that you do at point in time. You need to run this over and over again. Like you need to do this on a continuous basis. And that's the bit that can get harder for, especially for smaller companies, because they simply don't have the resources to do this in a manner that, you know, you can do this on a continuous basis, run that process on a continuous basis. So what Sprinter does is we'll hook into your systems that you already use as a company. So if you're on a public cloud like AWS, Azure, Google Cloud, or something else, we'll hook into that and make sure that we point out the gaps to you related to compliance. We'll hook into your change management system. Let's say you're using a code repository like GitHub or GitLab. We'll hook into that and we'll point out the gaps there. We'll hook into other systems that you already use as a company. What happens as a result is both implementing and operating and maintaining the process becomes 10x faster. It takes a lot less lift from you as a company to actually do these things than it would otherwise take to do this in a manual first. Dare say that, you know, it almost becomes enjoyable as a result rather than it seeming like an excruciatingly long thing. So I think in principle, we pretty much do the same things that you would do if you were doing this in a, in a manual manner, but it just becomes a lot faster and you spend more time on the bits that actually add value, which is, you know, things that actually make you more secure, rather than getting drowned out in the paperwork, in the jargon and the tickets and everything else that happened around these things. I guess a couple of things that struck me, we've used a couple of terms, and I don't want to presuppose everyone listening to this podcast knows what SOC 2 is or what ISO 2701 is. So could you just kind of briefly describe those standards and why they're so important and why everyone really has to pay attention to them now? That's a great question. So I talk about it in the context of a software company because that's where these things start becoming the most important. If you're running a software business today, in some way or the other, you're handling your customer's data. And increasingly, because you see in the news and everywhere else that there's there's increased amount of scrutiny around whether you are handling this data safely and securely, because at the end of the day, your customers don't want you to take this data and do something bad with it or allow something bad to happen with it. Now, if you are a software vendor and you imagine your customer asking you a bunch of questions about, hey, what do you do? Like, how do you keep this data safe and secure? Imagine answering this for each and every customer that you meet. This will basically become like an examination that you have to take many times over, each with each customer. 
What frameworks like Software and ISO allow you to do is that they are a standardized form of building a security program that both you as well as your customers can trust. They get audited by an independent certified third party. What that means is that if I claim that I am SOC2 compliant and I can provide documentation to the same, you as my customer can actually trust the documentation and have some assurance that I do indeed run these security practices. Otherwise, it would be your responsibility to wet me out, audit me, which is a hard thing to do. So think of SOC2 and ISO the way I sometimes say it as it's, they're no different than SAPs. Imagine writing these exams for every college that you want to apply to. Instead, you write SAPs and you have a, like one store and then that you can use across colleges. So SOC2 and ISO are not very different than that. Here's the thing that I've always been the most fascinated about SOC2. So I come from a different world of compliance where it's a legal standard. It's a law enforced by the government, so prosecutors. But SOC 2 is almost a collaborative industry standard, right? And that there's give and take within the industry, and the industry decides what our standards are going to be. So it's a very different world than I come from, but it is a very robust world because it's people like you talking about what do we collectively need. Would that also be fair? Yeah, that's absolutely right. So you're not right in the sense that some of these things happen organically rather than the government mandating that you need to do these things. So SOFTO and ISO 27001 are great examples of something like that. On the other hand, there are some what we call as privacy compliances, like you have GDPR in Europe and, and you have CPRA now in California, which are again government mandated things and they have overlaps with the way a security program like SOFTO and ISO would work, but these are again government mandated. And in some way, we often see that you got to do both of these things. And some of these things are because of the way software is bought and sold. And some of these things are because of the way some government mandated regulations are done. But yeah, it's pretty fascinating that a standard should emerge out of just the way people want to build trust in the way they do business. When my guest gives the title of the podcast and one of their answers, you get an extra gold star. And <laughs> building trust. I'd never thought about SOC 2 or, or maybe even compliance and building trust, but you're absolutely right. Everyone should understand that. Not simply the people in your world, the people you're talking to, the CISOs or IT, but that's a board of director level concern. How do we trust that our vendors, our customers, our third parties have the appropriate level of security? But how do we as a company also trust ourselves. And when I sit down with the CISO or chief technology officer or whatever the title might be of that role, you now have given the board of directors a reason to trust what that person is saying. So that's absolutely brilliant. That will be the title of this podcast, Building Trust, though. Very good. Let me turn to a couple of compliance terms I saw on your website that greatly intrigued me. Number one, what is the compliance stack? So the way we think about the compliance tech is nothing but a list of tools, a sequence of tools that you would actually use in order to become compliant or maintain a security posture of some sort. And that typically includes a tool like Sprinto, which would help you continuously monitor the status of your compliance. And, you know, rather than doing something at a point in time, allow you to continuously monitor whether you are maintaining the security standards that you set out to achieve and pointing out the gaps if there are any so that's one category of tools. What you would also need to do is typically in an information security compliance program, you would want to run regular pen tests. This is where you employ someone outside of the company 
a white hat hacker to sort of find holes into your application and see if there are any holes and, you know, they sort of responsibly disclose these holes to you if they find them. And then you as a company can go about and fix those holes. There are other tools of that sort that you might want to purchase. There are a bunch of security tools that you end up purchasing as a part of this thing also, like, for example, like a laptop monitoring software or endpoint monitoring software, as it's called now. And there are a bunch of tools there. So the way you think about a compliance stack is just a list of tools, typical set of tools that you would as a company use in order to stay secure and compliant. Once again, it's a great visualization really for any form of compliance because you try to think through the process and that's a great way to do that. You've also got a term called the Compliance Command Center. First of all, what is Sprinto's Compliance Command Center and how is that so useful or helpful to your customers and clients? The thing to understand about compliance or any holistic security program is that it covers a broad range of areas. There's stuff that you need to do with employees' laptops. There's stuff that you need to do with employees themselves when they join or leave your company. There's stuff that you need to do with how you write code and how you actually push code to production and how your application works. There's stuff that you need to do with your, your infrastructure and so on and so forth. So there are many areas of compliance and there's stuff about how do you respond to an incident if it were to happen? Let's say there is an attack on your company. Do you have the right processes and procedures in place in order to actually deal with that attack and so on and so forth? Now, what a compliance command engine or a compliance command center really does is it allows you to look at all of these things together on a single plane of glass. This becomes extremely hard otherwise without central command center to be able to look at all of these things across the various areas that I spoke about and they won't exhaust it. But you need a single place where you can monitor this and know what's happening over there so that you're not having to call 10 people to just know, hey, what's my security posture right now? Is there something that's lacking? What I need to do? If you want to report this to your board of directors or anything else, the way I think about a compliance command center is nothing but a single pane of glass where you get to see exactly what your security and your compliance posture is, where the gaps are, who's responsible for those gaps right now, and how they're getting remediated in time and so on and so forth. That's the goal of the command center. I think our listeners now know that you are not from Texas, but you're here in the United States as we're recording this podcast. And it leads me to believe that your business, Sprinto's business, is literally a global business because yes. you must have clients and customers in your home country of India, and you certainly have them here in America. So I wanted to maybe ask, what are two or three of the top concerns you're hearing in early 2023 about cybersecurity? Are they the same literally from India to the United States? Or what are maybe two or three of the top ones that you are counseling your clients and customers to be aware of? Here we are in Q1 of 2023. We have customers in Asia Pacific, Australia, Europe, North America, and lots of other parts of the world. And I first started to speak with some of these customers just to understand you know, what their concerns are and what are some of the things that worry them the most and the things that they struggle with the most. I used to hear different words and, and, you know, the tactical things could be a little different here and there. But if you have enough of these conversations, you realize that there is there's a fair bit of a common thread amongst all of these things. So some of the very common things that I've seen security leaders care about and worry about a lot is, one, you could buy the best of breed software, the best of breed tools, you could pay good money for it. Eventually, it turns out that some of the most common places where people still leave themselves vulnerable is the people in the company. There's nothing really that stops you, like people in the company, from clicking on a link that's a phishing link where they just inadvertently share 
credentials that would allow an attacker to hack into something and get access into something or social engineering or something like that. So I've seen security leaders worry about that a lot, especially as the company grows larger and you are now into hundreds of thousands of employees and it's extremely, extremely hard to make sure that every employee, they're not automatons, finally, they're not robots at the end of the day. And we cannot ensure that absolutely each of them would follow practices around not clicking on phishing links, being careful about the email attachments that they get. And a small mistake over there could lead to large repercussions. So that's one of the things that I've seen a lot of security leaders worry about. 22 was clearly year of ransomware. Uh, the, the number of ransomware attacks increased drastically. And I think that was playing on the minds of a lot of security leaders that I spoke with. They will worry about how we protect ourselves from this, how do we react to these things. And there are related downstream things about stuff like cybersecurity insurance that they want to purchase in order to protect themselves from, from these kind of ransomware attacks in case they would happen and so on and so forth. So there's like a bunch of mental space and mind space of these security leaders that spent on that. So that was the other thing that was probably like a common thread that I came across when I was speaking with a bunch of these leaders. Chris, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. But before we leave, I wanted to ask you if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself, on Sprinto, or really any of the topics we've touched on in today's podcast, what would be the best place or places for them to go? My company's online. You should visit us on Sprinto.com. But I'd be happy to answer any questions that you might have or help you in any manner in security related matters. So my email is girishatsprinter.com. Feel free to drop me a line. I'll definitely try and answer. Bruce, I wanted to uh, thank you. This has been a great episode, and I appreciate your perseverance in connecting with me to get this podcast done and then sitting down and doing this. So I look forward to continuing this conversation. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me again. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review.